Welcome to The Rutledge Perspective. I'm your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about things that are top of mind as you navigate your career or build your business. The plan is to get you out of your rut or talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Here, we speak the truth. Here, we challenge ideas. Here, we give ourselves grace. And along the way, we also have a little fun. Welcome to the village. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rutledge Perspective, and I am just thrilled to bring to you an incredible woman who has had some amazing experiences that I know will really set your heart on fire. Um, I want to welcome Rachelle Perry to the, the Rutledge Perspective this week, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we will just dive right in. She is currently the Resident Managing Director for the Aon Atlanta office, where she oversees the strategic direction and growth of the commercial risk and health solutions operations for that market. And she is also responsible for talent recruitment, development, and ensuring that Aon delivers on its services to its clients. She has she joined Aon in September of 2012 as the Southeast Region Casualty Leader. And then in January of 2018, she became the Resident Managing Director for the Atlanta office. Rachelle has an MBA from the Coles Business School of Kennesaw State University. And she had her bachelor's in business administration from the University of Georgia. And she also sits on the boards of Onboard and the University of Georgia Terry College of Business Alumni Board. Rachelle, thank you so much for being on the Rutledge Perspective. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to join you this afternoon. This is going to be fantastic. Well, I what I'd like to start with is tell people a little bit about where you are and what you're doing. And then I want to dive into this insurance business thing, because I think it's really fascinating. People don't really know what it means. So let's start with what you're doing and then let's dive in there. No, absolutely. So, you know, where I'm at right now is, is really at a place of um, really leading Aon's um, sort of value and what we're trying to accomplish with clients in the Atlanta market. And so that involves, um, you know, like you said, on the sort of buyer read, a lot of different solution lines. And, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting because as I have shared with you prior to us having this conversation on this podcast, um, you know, no one in, in the country looks like me that's doing this job, which is basically yes. uh, leading our commercial risk and health solutions business um, in the market. And so, you know, what what this is this opportunity has given me is it give me an opportunity to really sort of drive our strategy, um, giving us a chance to really sort of work closely with our clients, being able to really sort of direct our talent, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, strategy on the local in the local market. So, I mean, I could go in so many different places, or but it's it's been um, it's been a lot of fun, and I've been doing it for over three years now in this role. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's it's something that I very much enjoy doing. But it also, it's it's challenging. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It is a, you know, it is, it is a um, challenging environment. And commercial insurance is challenging, and um, the market is really difficult right now. Um, yes. so, so it's been, um, it's been challenging, but rewarding. I love that. And, and let's dive in a little bit because people think of insurance, but I'm not sure that people really understand kind of that whole commercial side. And, and as an HR person, we worked with Aon a lot, right? So I kind of get what you were doing, but for the people who are listening, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about Aon and that whole business of kind of commercial insurance and what that really means and, and what that means from a career perspective too. 
Right. Absolutely. So a lot of times people think of insurance and they think your homeowners or they think your life insurance mm-hmm. or your personal auto. And oftentimes I, I can't tell you anything about any of those things. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, what I love about commercial insurance is, is really around um, helping companies manage their corporate risk, you know, and those corporate, you know, that corporate risk can come from different places. It can come from just having a big workforce, you know, and Mm -hmm. it can can come from, you know, now one of the big things is extreme weather, right? We hear about the Nashville floods. We hear about, you know, the freezing that happened in in Houston. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that was, you know, Texas actually probably the entire state. and so on the commercial risk side, we're always looking at it from the perspective, which might be similar to the person, you know, just like how are businesses impacted, right? You know, and so and so the commercial risk insurance side is, as I always tell, you know, the thing we try to, we tell companies is what's creating volatility to your balance sheet? Um, what is, mm-hmm. what is, what is, is in, because most corporations don't want volatility on their balance sheet. They want, right. you know, smooth, smooth, smoothing out of that risk volatility um, so I always see myself as like an advisor to corporations around, or at least, you know, or, or what we do at Aon around mm-hmm. their different risks. So it can be commercial risk, you know, it can, which is a big part of Aon's business. So if you really mm-hmm. think about it, our commercial risk solutions is a huge part of our business. That's the cyber, that's the ransomware event, all those things fall within commercial risk. And so we're constantly talking to clients around you know, the gamut of things that fall under mm-hmm. that bucket. And there's also health solutions. We, Aon is really focused on talking to clients around, you know, how are you managing the rising healthcare costs? That mm-hmm. most, you know, the, that rising healthcare costs is one of the areas that a lot of companies, you know, that creates a lot of costs and sometimes a lot of volatility yes. to their balance sheet. So that's another area. We, we also look at retirement solutions, which is, you know, helping companies that might still have pension liabilities sitting on their book mm-hmm. and they're trying to see if they have those adequately reserved or, you know, looking at their 401k investments and how do, how do they think about those? Um, and so, and, you know, those are sort of the three buckets I could, you know, mm-hmm. it's commercial risk, the um, health and the retirement solutions. We also do things though in talent we're, we're, we're you know, we're in that bucket that world too under our human capital solution. So, Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about Aon, which is a little bit different than where I spent most of my career really focused on the commercial risk side. Mm-hmm. Aon is really focused on, and I don't want to sound like a commercial, so you'll have to stop me, it's <laughs> around this whole idea of sort of like getting us to understand all the different solutions of the firm so that then we can, mm-hmm. what we call, deliver the whole firm versus just talking in our little silo bucket that we know. Yes. So I'll pause on that. Yeah, no, I love that. And because I think people don't realize, you know, you think you're right, you think all the personal insurance stuff, you know, and then there's that whole question of, man, I'm paying all this money for insurance and nothing ever happens. But the minute something happens, if I don't have it, then I'm in trouble, right? And so we think about the personal piece. And some of us, those who are in corporate, understand we've got our insurance and we got to manage some stuff. But I don't think people understand how vast that can be. And so as you talked about Aon and the pieces, mm-hmm. Now tell people a little bit more about how you got into this space and what it is about this area that really kind of attracted you in the beginning, right? And what you've learned along the way. Right. So, so you know, my story is it was, it was really in the beginning wasn't about commercial risk insurance. It was really around, it's really about getting a job. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to tell you that I, this was like, it was about commercial risk insurance, but right. it was really, you know, as I, I share it with you, Laura, as you know, I was the first to graduate from college in, in my family. And so, and mm-hmm. I had four older siblings. So I was the fifth of the six children. And so, yeah. you know, our family track was always to, you know, graduate from high school and go into the mm-hmm. military. That was kind of our right. thing. Um, and so for me to sort of be that fifth child that say, I'm not going to go into the military. I'm actually going to go to University of Georgia um, was a different path and no one had, had actually walked down before. So, you know, I, I, I share with people all the time that, you know, when you're the first, you know, I, I did this, I was on this, um, went to this women's retreat thing a week or so mm-hmm. ago. And I was talking about being the first and the only, you know, mm-hmm. when you're like, uh, I find myself in a lot of settings where I feel like I've been either the first or the only, you know? Yes. And yes. so being the first in my family to go to college, there's a lot of responsibility, both internally and just the weight of the world externally. So I came so when I got into it, got into University of Georgia Business School, I was like, okay, let me figure out what's going to land me that job, you know, mm-hmm. right after, right, right after right. graduation. And so I took a class I and mean, anyone that goes to University of Georgia, you know, they're going to have you take this intro to uh, insurance or risk management mm-hmm. class. So I took the class. I actually thought it was interesting. I was like, mm-hmm. I can do this. And then I went and talked to them and they were like, oh, we're doing like a hundred percent job placement. I was like, well, I'm done. That's it. Right. <laughs> you know, I guarantee, basically guaranteed a job in my mind. Yes. And, yes. and it was kind of interesting. So that's mm-hmm. how, that's really how I got into it. And, 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 you know, and it, that's how it happened. I, you know, I, I got an internship through University of Georgia, New York city. Who would have thought, you know, I was like, you know, yeah. interning in New York city as a, you know, as a, a senior in college was crazy, uh, crazy exciting, uh, yeah. but but also crazy because no one in my family had really just kind of like jumped and just did something <laughs> outside of like military or my hometown. Yeah. And then and then after I graduate, moved to New York City at 21 mm-hmm. years old. I sell people with two suitcases and a little TV because truthfully that's right. all I had. And I lived right. in residence until I could find somewhere to live. So, um, and it's just been a rewarding. Um, career choice for me mm-hmm. I mean, not without a lot of hard work and effort but you know it's been it's worked out well right well and you know I tell people all the time sometimes you just got to say yes and so I remember when I started college I wanted to be a psychologist right and I wanted to get the psychology degree and I remember my dad saying babe I love you but you got to get a job right and so it was kind of the same thing I took an accounting class I could do it it was kind of interesting so and I knew I could get a job so I did mm-hmm. you know accounting but it started being the base for everything else that I've done so far and so if you think about Coming from, you know, Georgia, the first person in your family to go to college and the pressure there, often being the one and the only or the first and only, right? And then moving to, of all places, New York City, which gives me like sensory overload. Talk about that willingness to just do it because often people are so afraid, it's so unfamiliar that they often talk themselves out of opportunities because of fear. So talk a little bit about how you just said, you know what, why not? I'm going to do this. You know, I think that's such a good point you make, Laura, because, you know, my mindset has always been failure is not an option. Um, mm. I, and I, I just never gave myself that out, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, there's an, there, there's, I have an inner drive that, you know, I, I quickly will say yes, or I will step, I don't mm-hmm. think I can't do it. 
because right. I do, I always felt, I always never felt, never thought I was like the super smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. but I, I was, I'm a pretty determined um, person. And so mm-hmm. I will, I will study it. I will dig out the answers. I will find right. the solutions. And so I, I feel like I'm such a determined person mm-hmm. that I was always willing to to just go for it and and that mm-hmm. without even any real sense of where it would lead when I moved to New York City I was like I'm only going to be here for like two years and then I'm going to go <laughs> back to um, Atlanta and right and, and that, I was there for almost 10 years mm. almost 10 years yes. I met my husband there you know um yeah. and so it was just it, it, saying just getting up to your point just getting up and moving to New York City, um, living in a women's residence, I'm still friends with the, some of those women that I met. We were all women coming from different parts of the world in the early 90s and in one of the safe place to live while we figure it out. And then mm-hmm. Chamber of Commerce at the time had this place, all these single women that just needed a place, oh, to, wow. play, a safe place to live in New York City, all mm-hmm. moved in there. And to this day, I still have friends from there. See, that's amazing. Yeah. And and I think we underestimate, right, the importance of making some of those connections early that aren't necessarily just the business connections, but just those initial relationships when it's completely new to just have someone else that's at least walking a similar journey to you, Mm -hmm. right? Single female in New York for the first time, not sure how we're going to make it work, but we're going to figure it out. And having that camaraderie or that common ground to, to get centered and, and having where you don't feel like you're all on your own. Right. Right. So it's really important. And it's, I mean, but it was to your point before, I think you just, you got to put yourself out there and take, take that chance and take that risk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then as you, as you think about having moved away and gone to New York city, and then you end up being there kind of 10 years, right. Unexpected. What was one of the biggest things through that journey that you learned either about kind of this profession that you've chosen and, or about you as this new kind of entrant into this marketplace of working and living, et cetera, et cetera. That's one of the um, biggest things that I learned. I think, um, you know, I, I went to New York as, um, I would call it a little rusty, meaning, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were, there were things I, I felt like I couldn't write as well as the people that were around me. I felt mm-hmm. like I was too Southern than the mm-hmm. people that were around me. Um, um, and so I think I, I think, you know, one of the things I learned is that if there were certain things about my professional image mm-hmm. that I wanted to improve upon, that I needed to make that happen. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't feel sorry for yourself or just be like, I'm, it was, you know, I, I was very observant of, mm-hmm. of my environment and trying to understand um, what it took to be successful in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I think, I think one of the things I would probably say is that I started developing um, more professional polish, if that makes sense. I don't mm-hmm. know. I yes. think I started, um, 
I think I started trying to like I I started taking like writing classes mm-hmm. at night by myself just to improve my own writing because I wanted confidence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I started looking. I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but yep. sort of looking at how other people dress, and I was like, oh, yeah. I would go and go and buy like certain. You know, back in those days, people were still wearing like business suits. I don't think anybody right. really wore. So I started. I started looking the part I started working on some of my soft skills that I really wanted um, to feel more confident not that anyone actually even said anything about my own writing I just didn't feel good about it right um, and so I, I think the one of the things I learned is that if I if there were things that I needed I felt I needed to improve on or image that I wanted to portray that mm-hmm. I needed to put the work into putting that image together it's funny to me now because some people look at me and they go, they don't know that person that they, <laughs> right. they, see, they see this person and they go, oh, yes. you know, they don't know that other person that was like yeah. a little rough around the edges. And, I'm, you know, and it's taken 25 years to kind of like smooth out all those wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that, Rachelle, because one, the first thing I love about what you said is if there was something that I felt like I wanted to improve then I worked on it. You did not say something that I didn't like. You didn't say something that I needed to change, something about me that needed to be different. You said, if there was something I wanted to improve and I believe words matter. And that is so powerful, so powerful. And the second thing you said was, I was very observant. I looked around me to see what people were doing that were doing well. And then I looked at how that reflected on me and how I wanted to be similar or portray or show up, how I wanted to show up given my environment. And it's so important that people don't feel like you have to change who you are, but you have to be aware of the environment that you're in and what it takes to be successful in that environment. And then you can make a choice. Well, do I still wanna stay and be successful or is this not something that's even remotely what I wanna do? And then I've got a different choice to make. So talk to me, about kind of that, how you got to that mindset and that maturity, because so many people feel like they have to not be themselves and that's not true. Right. Yeah. You know, so first of all, I I have had incredible, I still have great people around me. I think all of us Mm -hmm. do. Right. And so even at that early, at that early age, I had an incredible mentor group of people that, Mm -hmm. you know, I could, Talked. I have always felt authentic in myself, personality-wise. Yes. Like I, um, mm-hmm. but you know, people would you know would say to me, "Well, if, but if it makes you feel, you know, more confident in a particular setting, to mm-hmm. you know, I'm I, I'm gonna give you a funny. So my girlfriend <laughs> group, my girlfriend group, they they laugh at me. They call me the um, the blazer woman. Yes. So not in a blazer day, I actually had on a blazer and I decided to take it off and put the weather right. on in my house. But um, because I, it's something about, I have a whole bunch of blazers. I mean, you yes. name it, I am, I am. But it was something about putting a blazer on that just mm-hmm. gave me this sense of extra, just, you know, yeah. pep in my step. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, and so, I was, you know, my, I think the people around me was like, you know, you do what makes you feel confident in this job because you Mm -hmm. have so much, so many things coming at you. That's like, I won't say negative, but just challenges. Like you're being the only, only, only black woman in the meeting often. Mm. And so 
you already got, you know, yes. people looking at you because you're the only black person in the room yeah. uh, a lot of times or whatever. And so, but it was something about, and I can't explain it, you know, if I'm in that room and I'm the only black woman in that room, but I got my blazer on, it yes. gives me a little extra, you know, yeah. just for my own self. It made me feel ready to take on the world um, right. and to just do what I needed to do. So I always help you, you know, do what you need to do to mm-hmm. get in that, in that mindset to just take on the world. Yes. And so if that's a blazer, if that's some heels, if that is, you know, I have my theme songs that I play in my car before any any pitch I do, do what you need to do to get your own, you know, sort of like energy and confidence Mm -hmm. up to the level you want it and then go take on the world. I love that because I know my mom used to always say, if you wake up in the morning and you just don't feel right, make an extra effort to look extra special, because if not, you're going to look like you feel right. And there is something about putting that extra effort into your appearance, not being arrogant, not being, you know, spending hours and hours and hours in front of the mirror because Instagram will make you think you have to do that. But that extra little effort to say, no, I'm worth making sure that I am presenting the way I want to present, that does give you that little boost. Like you sit up straighter and your shoulders are back and you speak more confident and you listen, I think, better when you're in that mode. It's just fantastic. And like you say, be ready to take on the world. It's just, that's amazing. That's amazing. Especially in this industry. I mean, I, you know, going back to the, this industry, it is, you know, Mm -hmm. it is, it lacks, I think, the level of diversity, Mm-hmm. Um, particularly in positions, you know, more senior position, it lacks. Yes. It, it does not have the level of diversity that it 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 should have. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and so you 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 know, you want to um, you want to really put yourself in the place of just taking on those environments every day because it's yes. not the easiest environment to be in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and as you as you think about, you know, New York, and then after 10 years, you know, you moved. Mm-hmm. Tell, talk a little bit about how that confidence got you ready for that next move. Because again, it's a change and not everyone is willing to not only see it, but then embrace it and step out to do it. So what was that thing that made you say, yep, it's time and I'm going to go to this next thing? Right, so I moved back to Atlanta um, after uh, September. So a September 11th, 2001 mm-hmm. happened. Um, and yes. I'll never forget it because I was supposed to be in World Trade Center, one of the World Trade mm-hmm. Center buildings for a training um, mm-hmm. two weeks later. But the reality of it was just like, I could have, I was like within days of being in that yes. building and one of those buildings. And so um it was, it's a, it, I tell people all the time, it's as if the fog lifted from my, from, you know, being in, in New York mm-hmm. for 10 years. And I was like, okay, at that point it was nine years. So I, I moved the next year uh, in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said, it's, you know, now I was just, I want, I had a one-year-old, my, my mm-hmm. daughter, who's now in college. Um, and I wanted to just to live a different lifestyle. So yeah. I, I, I went to my leadership at the time and said, I, I'm ready to, moved back to Atlanta. Um, and, and they were extremely supportive. And I think a lot of that has to do, you know, I talk about confidence, but also, you know, work product. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I put in the work, you know, I'm very, very, you know, you know, it's not just, I never wanted to be known for the, the, the black woman in the room. I want to be known as the, you know, 
best professional, the person that's going to get the deal done, the person that's going to drive the result, you know, so that's Mm -hmm. like this job. Now I tell people, you know, yeah, there's no other black woman off Mm -hmm. the head in the country. I tell them that more, not so much more so just to sort of talk about the the sadness of that statement. Number one, we need more. Right. And then, um, but, but that's not how I operate in my day-to-day. My day-to-day is around how are we going to drive results? How are we going to improve sales? How are we going to make sure we're mm-hmm. satisfying client commitments? You know, and I think that is that level of just really doing a great, having great work product, that it was yes. really easy for me to transfer because they were like, this is not a colleague we want to lose. Right, so. right. Well, and I think what you said is important is because when we walk into a room, we walk into a room looking like this. So- everybody's already going to know we are the insert thing here, right? The, mm-hmm. the other, whatever the other is, person of color, race, ethnicity, gender, whatever. And so there's nothing we can do about that or that we want to do about that because it's who we are. And yet there's a difference in walking in and being that and walking in and leading with that. Mm-hmm. And if you can lead with your results, if you can lead with your level of integrity and trust, if you can lead with your ability to collaborate and find solutions, then that other stuff becomes secondary, at least theoretically, right? <laughs> becomes yeah. secondary. So, so now you've moved, you've, you've demonstrated, you know, hey, I'm, I'm someone you want to keep on the team and you get back to Atlanta and talk a little bit about then that growth and then ultimately getting into this, this role that you're in now. Yeah, I think, so I spent a long time doing what I, um, which was sort of a, a technical side of the business. So I was, mm-hmm. a, I've, been a, I've been on the brokerage side my whole career, but I, I spent a big chunk of that time really um, doing a technical function, which is uh, mm-hmm. placing the, the, placing the commercial risk insurance for large mm-hmm. corporations. So I've had mm-hmm. the, had the, great fortune of working on some great with some great great large global clients yes. um mm-hmm. but what i realized in all of that was and it was that's funny it was a it was it was someone that brought it to my attention i thought mm-hmm. because i had been such a great technical broker that that yes. was you know that that would always be the thing that positioned me mm-hmm. into my career what i learned though was there were other skills that i lacked um uh. So, you know, you know, I, I was like, well, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to do more where they were like, well, you mm-hmm. never, you know, you've never sort of managed a PNL before mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you don't have operational experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you haven't really been close in the sales process. You're more on the yeah. technical and, and then someone, you know, someone said, well, you know, you've never actually taken something that was broken and made it better. Uh-huh. And so, and so I, I, when I heard all those things, I came, when I came back to Atlanta, I was like, okay, well, those are fair mm-hmm. points. If I really want to continue to elevate into this, this side of the business and say that I'm a person that cannot just be a technical person, but mm-hmm. I can actually lead an operation that you can yes. actually count on me to actually lead a, you know, an operation for a firm. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to need to figure out these other things. And so that's yes. how I started. I started saying, well, I'm going to leave the thing that I love. I still love the technical side, yes. people, but I, I decided strategically to walk out of that, those roles that mm-hmm. I had been very successful in. And I came over here and I started leading our account executive 
you know, account executive mm-hmm. team across all solution lines. And so they were, you know, they were yeah. like, well, okay, she's going to come in and lead the whole thing. And she's never really <laughs> done what we've done. Right. Um, you know, and then, but that position means for this job. So I, I think you have to be willing to sort of look at your skills and say, okay, mm-hmm. what, what, what are those skills that I've learned and developed? And what are those skills that I probably still need to grow and develop and, right. and try to, try to learn a variety of different professional skills. And that's one of the most insightful things I've learned is that I want to have variety in the skills Mm -hmm. that I can bring to a company, to a firm, to Aon. I love that because, you know, we, we often, people get locked in or they allow themselves to be locked in. And then they're surprised when the next promotion or the next opportunity they aren't necessarily the top candidate because they have, they're that expert, right? And they've spent all this time and they are really producing and they're making things happen. And only then does someone say to them, yeah, but you know, you haven't done this, you haven't done this, you haven't seen this, you haven't seen that. And one, no one's ever told them that before. Mm-hmm. Two, they haven't necessarily sought out what it really means to be in the next thing they wanna do. And then three, now they're completely deflated or irritated, right? And instead of digging in and trying to figure out, well, if this is really, if this is really what I want to do, then here are the things I need to decide. It's like that shutdown mode, right? Or, or that resolution. And I'm just, this is just where I'm supposed to be. And I think what's key about what you said was one, somebody pointed it out to you and then you listened, you listened to what they said. And because you still had that goal in mind, you were willing to leave what you loved, right? And that you were comfortable in, you were willing to step out of that comfort zone and try something else. And that is not only courageous, but it is absolutely essential if you're going to continue to grow in your career, especially if you wanna to start to be in senior roles. And so as you, as you started to take over this role that you've never done it before, because people hear that a lot and that's their fear, what were a couple of the key things that you did to gain the trust of that group of people who's like, she's taking it over and she's never done it. How can she lead us? What are a couple of key things that you did to gain the trust of these people who are now the folks you were supposed to be leading? Right. So I think for one, um, I, I always tell people, I'm a pretty transparent, I, I don't call myself a girl, I'm a pretty transparent girl. I, yeah. um, I, I walk in authenticity as well. I, so I, I, I don't pretend to know stuff that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, what I would say to those senior account executives that has been in these jobs and leading clients for mm-hmm. so many years is like, there's a lot for you that you've, you've been doing that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. So sh- being, being confident enough in the value that I can bring to yes. be able to tell, tell the team the things that I don't, that, that I'm going to need them to, to, to help me. So, you know, what I, you know, what I have said to them is I am really good. What, what I, what I'm, what I believe I'm really good is I'm really good around, you know, building great teams. So where you need mm-hmm. support, I'm going to bring the right, I'm not, I'm, I'm a good right. talent. So I was able to, uh, sort of express to them the things that I think I could bring in the job that would bring value to, mm-hmm. to them and to the firm. Um, and then also be open enough with the areas that I needed them to help, you know, to, to give me some education. And I would say, I, I like, you know, I don't know this. So I'm going to need Drew to help me, help mm-hmm. me here. Right. And I think people appreciate when you just lay it all out there, right. That you don't try to walk into that type of situation 
with like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm the, I'm the leader and you're not. Right. Therefore, I'm, I don't, you don't need to, you know, tell, no, I, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need yes. your help in this area, but here's our goals. I'm really, you know, I'm good at goal setting and execution. Mm-hmm. So here are mm-hmm. goals. Here's how we're going to execute. And, you know, and I'm good at listening, getting feedback right. and reacting to that. So I, I think that's where you kind of bring those two things together and, mm-hmm. and people, people respond well when you just be, just be honest and open around yes. like, you know, and then, but then I'm also, I'm, I, I dream big. We're going to be the yeah. best, you know? And, I love that. and so that's where people too, is like, they, they, they can't say that I don't walk every day in sort of a dream big mindset mm-hmm. because, and, mm-hmm. and so you were constantly sharing that dream. We're going to be the best. We're going to be the best <laughs> brokerage firm in this, in Atlanta. <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're going to, we have the best people with the best clients, you know? So it's yep. just, I think that's, that, that sort of positive vision of where we're going is is what people attach themselves to and that's Mm -hmm. what makes you a good leader I think well and what I love about that as I talk to so many people about leadership number one leadership is not about position it's about behavior and what is masterful about what you said is you can be humble and confident at the same time. They are not mutually exclusive. So you can be really confident and sit in confidence, not ego, but sit in confidence about the things you do well, about your knowledge, about your expertise. And through that confidence, have enough humility to say, I know all this stuff, but I don't know anything about that. And we both need to know all these things in order to get to the goal. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. People so appreciate when you say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out, or I don't know, but I know you do. How can we work together? And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to show up there as a leader. And the other thing you said was listening, right? You're good at setting goals. You're good at executing, but you're also good at listening and leaders must listen. If you're going to lead, you have to be able to listen and listen actively and listen to understand, not listening to respond, which is really big. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. really big. So if we, as we begin to, to wrap up, cause I could, I could talk to you for the next two days uh, <laughs> about all this stuff <laughs> that you've done. Cause it's just, it's just amazing. And there's so many things that I think people will have heard through your story that says it's okay. It's okay to move. And, and you moved and developed and grew not through going to a whole bunch of different companies, which is okay as well. You know, it's a career flow, right? Not a career path, but you were able to move and grow and develop in a couple of organizations that enabled you through your performance, right? And your proof, social proof that you were able to continue to move up. So if you look at all of that, what would you say to someone right now, especially coming out of this pandemic? There's so many people who are thinking about changing or pivoting, right? So there are people who are looking, but there are people who are working, but it's, uh, I've really had some revelations through this through this COVID thing, it's really time to look at something different. What would you say to people who are thinking, it's time for me to evaluate something different? Right. So, and one of the things I, I don't know if I've said enough on this in our conversation, so I want to mm-hmm. make sure I hit on this, is, is, you know, there's this, there's a scripture that is one of my life principles, right? It's, you know, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Um, yes. And so, and I, I, that's a life principle for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I have a lot of, you know, counselors. I have, mm-hmm. a, you know, I call them board of advisors. I do. And yes. they're very diverse. 
I mean, there are different people and different. Mm -hmm. And so I, I talked to people about um, what I want to do and how, and it, you know, and how I want to do it. And that's how mm -hmm. I, I said to, to, I was like, I want to, I want to run an office one day. And yes. it was through those conversations around, you know, PL management operational that I was will that part of the, part of that pivot was me mm -hmm. really getting a lot of advice. So I, I do yeah. want to say that because I think that's so important. I don't want to end this call yes. without saying that because that. there's just, there's just so many people that have poured into me. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, so that would be something I would say, right. Is mm -hmm. put in, put in the, put in the work to get counsel, to, to get advice. So if you want to be part of this industry, Aon, commercial risk, health solution, mm -hmm. and you think this is what you want to do, or you think this is the area you know, reach out to people like yes. me mm -hmm. and, you know, and really try to get some feedback around sort of what, you know, cause there's different parts of the business. We have sales yes. people that are like very outgoing. We have technical people that tend to be a little bit more into the details. So yeah. both work, but you got to figure out when you come into the, to a, a firm like this, what part of it fits for you. And so yeah. for me, I've only been really at two companies and mm -hmm. it's been, it's been great. Because yeah. I knew also, yeah, I always knew that I wanted to work for a company where yeah. um, that they, they had made the investments into you know, data and analytics and mm -hmm. resources that I could then take all those things and go talk to these global companies about whatever yes. we were talking about. Mm -hmm. I needed I needed those resources. I needed those that data to feel mm -hmm. you know to feel good in my own skin to go and do my mm -hmm. do do my job. So that's why I've worked for these big corps and, and, mm -hmm. you know, now who knows if I work for big corps forever, but for the first yeah. season of my careers, you know, up yes. to this point, it helped me be this much more sort of like confident in my skin because I had the tools, I had the data, I had the analytics, I had the resources. I could take all that with me, put on my blazer yes. and go do what I needed to go do. So <laughs> I, I just, I think you, I think you have to know, do, do some self-awareness too, right? Just yes. kind of know what, you know, do you, you can work for a big corporation like Aon mm -hmm. or there's some wonderful smaller corporation. Maybe you need that more family mm -hmm. feel. And so I think you have right. to do a little bit of self-awareness as well and figure out like, you know, who are you? I, I, I have a yeah. good sense of who I am and the environments that make me tick. And I've yes. tried to like put myself in those types of places and mm -hmm. then, and then diversify, <laughs> you know, yes. but I would feel, <laughs> I would feel comfortable that I was in a place that was like a good sort of fit with my person, you know, yes. my inner workings, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But people can always well, come talk to me about this industry, Laura. I, I love it. It's been good to me. It's helped me yeah. to put two kids through private school and now out of state college. So right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and, and what you said, I always start with people that come to me that are trying to figure out what they do. And it's like, we're going to start with you. We're going to start with you. What is it you want? What makes your soul sing? What is the kind of work you want to do? And then like once that. you know that, then you go seek out the thing. You don't start with the thing because you don't really know the thing. You think you know the thing, right? But if you know you first, then the thing becomes clearer. And more importantly, you can put the thing in context because if you really get to know what's important to you in, in whatever season you're in, because it does change, it could be that job at this moment, or it could be the family thing, or it could be travel, or it could be learning. It could be something else. And where that job or that career fits 
into your life as opposed to you fitting into the career is really important. And I think everything that you have given people, getting that board of directors, you know, being willing to listen to feedback around how you get to where you want to be, taking action on that feedback, uh, being willing to be confident but humble, all of those mm-hmm. things put people in a position to be successful, whatever success looks like for them. But you've got to be willing to put in the work, both the personal work, right, and the technical work. To be able That's to do right. that. I love when you said what makes your soul sings. I'm going to have to take that with me as my little, I mean, that's great. <laughs> I love that. I had never yeah. heard that before, actually. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, it's one of those things where if you're waking up in the morning and like me, you know, every, every Sunday for five years, six years, I was like, oh, I can't believe it. I was like, eh, yeah, my soul's not singing time to do something else. And, and here we are, right. This getting to talk to people like you and meet people like you and, and talking to the clients that I'm working with, just be, that makes my soul sing, seeing other people be successful and getting other people out of pain because they know they have choices. They have mm-hmm. choices because companies, some companies will make you think you don't, and right. you always have a choice. You just have to decide which choices you want to take right? Because we're free to make them. We're just not free from the consequences of the choices we make, right? <laughs> right? That's exactly so, right. well, Rachelle, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for your willingness to share your time and your insight and your expertise with us. And I will make sure to put your information in the show notes so people can reach out to you, especially if they're interested in the, the industry that you're in, but even just to connect with somebody who has gotten really clear on herself and where she is and how she wants to show up as a leader. I think you'd be a great connection for people. Um, what is maybe one last thing you'd like to leave folks with uh, before we close out today? Well, first of all, thank you for this opportunity. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the one thing I would like to leave is, you know, this year I will be 50 years old in October. And I think yeah. when people, when you hit such a big milestone, it's really a point of reflection Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've spent a lot of years and decades really in, in this great career. Um, yeah. Now I'm in a deep season of balance. And I know, and I would love to say <laughs> I've had balance for all these other years. I have not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm really, um, I'm enjoying um, going to my daughter's basketball and track game. I'm enjoying yeah. doing some things um, in the community. Um, and, and I think the one thing that if I, I leave with folks is really don't make it all about, and I think some of you, you know, just your, like for me, I was so career driven for so long yeah. and I'm still very career driven. Don't, don't take yes. this, but I think I realized getting close to 50 that, mm-hmm. you know, life is so rich, you know, and there's so many other yes. things that I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's just like, just really living life in all the different areas, whether it's family, community, you know, yeah. work, just spiritual, just all those areas, really kind of living it to the fullest um, is what I want to leave with folks because that's, that's the season I'm at in my life right now. I love that. And you said, I gave you something. I have never heard someone say, life is so rich. You hear a lot, life is so short, but I love that perspective. Life is so rich. Make sure you're living it 
all on all aspects, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Rachelle, this has been amazing. And thank you so much for being, again, for thank being you. a part of the Rutledge Perspective. For those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'll make sure you have Rachelle's information. Um, definitely reach out. Uh, she is a fantastic person to know. We will definitely catch you on the next episode of the Rutledge Perspective. Take care. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to the Rutledge Perspective podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please leave us a review, send us your comments, give us a five-star rating. We take that information seriously and it helps us to decide what our next episodes will be. Now you can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. And if there's someone that you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutler's Perspective podcast, please pass it along.